In this episode, Paul Servi, a.k.a. Mountain Goat Polly, and I cover a club bull that he shot with his bow, archery setups, and a buck called Mongoose. You are listening to the Archery Maniacs Podcast. This is Remy Warren. I am Rihanna Carey. My name is Adam Foss. This is Paul Tetford professional archer hey everyone i'm christy titus and you are listening to archery maniac we cover everything archery from the hunting side to the tournament side with stories tips and tactics gear reviews and more that that helped my tuning game so much when i made sure that all my arrows were square i'm just staring into his eyes blood's dripping off of its tines mud is everywhere the clarity these mavens offer is amazing I'm just like Spider-Man, you know, on this rock. You know, just laying there. <laughs> Belly crawling in there, and I can barely fit in there, and I can hear the cat growling at me. So I put my hand on his shoulder and pushed him, and we just ran at this elephant. Uh, every, every time I opened up Instagram, I was seeing Paul, Mountain Goat Polly, with another animal that he shot in 2018. And <laughs> I just like, man, this guy is crushing it this year. So... How did how did your season start off, and what were some of the things that you were putting into play before season started to help you know help get your season rolling and make it a success? So planning for the 2018 hunt, I mean, we always do a spring bear hunt, um, and um, in Montana we usually start out. And this year, um, I got an invite from Jana Waller with Schoolbound TV to come up and do a, a spot and stock with them for a week. And, I mean, I was so excited to go up and hunt with them. I mean, they are just some great down-to-earth people. And, actually, that show is going to air on February 11th um, at 6.30. Oh, wicked. Yeah, on the Sportsman's Channel, um, the episode. And, dude, it is Epic. I mean, just all the footage they got that week, all the grizzly footage. And that's that's bear hunting. Yeah, it's a spring bear hunt. That's Spot so cool. Stop. I've never I've never even shot at a bear. <laughs> Dude, bear hunting is. I don't let's see. Is, is this my fourth or fifth year? I'm trying to think. Anyways, I'd never bear hunted until four or five years ago, and once I started, it's addicting. Like it's one of those hunts that I. It's, it's probably one of my favorite hunts, honestly. I love bear hunting. It's so fun. And they're just amazing animals, too. So, so yeah, tune into that. Um, February 11th, Skulldown TV, 6.30 p.m., Mountain Standard. And then it, it airs again later in the night, too. I think 9.30 Mountain Standard time. But epic footage. I don't know if anybody out there has seen the grizzly bear footage that we captured. Jim got some of the most amazing footage. Um, he had all of his long lenses. It is so cool. We watched him for over seven hours. Um, this board, uh, courting the cell. It was amazing. So yeah, super cool. Dang, that's great. <laughs> that sounds so cool. I mean, good, good footage is, is that, that can, that obviously makes the show. Uh, it's, that that's cool that you guys were able to get in there and, and then observe them for so long, you know, is I mean, as you know, being somebody that's hunted bears before, it's not like you walk into the woods and see bears roaming around everywhere like you would, you know, a mule deer or something. <laughs> right. Right. No, it was and at one point we were hundred and sixty yards from him. It was pretty crazy. It was awesome. I mean, I got some really good so cool. footage and yeah, it was just 
just a crazy experience. I think we all cried at one point watching them. I mean, it was just so awesome. It was just something you'll never see. And literally, you know, we're public ground. You know, we they're not even supposed to be grizzly bears in that area. It was crazy. Like, they'd never even seen them in that area in all the years they've hunted in there. So for us to see two grizzly bears, it was pretty awesome. But, yeah. And then, you know, um, so I was successful on the spring bear. And then, you know, my wife had been deployed for three months. So I was doing a lot of scouting down here for the upcoming archery season. And um, we, I found this buck, a really nice four point. Um, and we were keeping tabs on him. And we chased him around for the first few weeks of the archery hunt. And then she had to get, she was deployed again for another three and a half weeks. And so we had super close encounters with him, with her. She actually had him at 15 yards one day and just no clear shot. (laughs) It was heartbreaking. We, we did it perfect. She was at full draw and those big bucks, they just, they got a sixth sense. Like they know when somebody's in their bedroom and he just came down perfect. Didn't even know we were there. She's a full draw. And I'm like, my heart's beating through my chest because I'm like, she's going to kill this buck today. He's full velvet. And he comes down and the last bush he can stop behind. That's going to block his vitals. Of course he just stops. And there's a bigger three point. I mean a big three point behind him. And he's like nudging him like, let's go. And he's like, Nope, I'm not going to come out. And, he kind of just stands there and he looks around and just kind of looks down the hill like, oh, I think I'm going to go that way. And he turns and walks straight away from us off the hill and she couldn't get a clean shot at him. <laughs> <sighs> so, and we made several stocks on some other bucks with her and um, close, but no go. And, and so anyways, that buck, um, I went back in on the muzzleloader while she was deployed and I killed him opening morning of the muzzleloader. Actually, the day that she returned back from deployment was opening day. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Yeah, and I called her. She just landed at LAX at like 7.30 in the morning, and I'm like, uh, I killed that buck. And she's like, and she had named him Mongoose was her name for this buck. And I'm, she's like, you killed Mongoose? And I'm like, yeah, I killed him. And she's like, are you serious? I'm like, I'm standing right next to him right now. I (laughs) 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 So, so I got that buck and then, you know, um, Oh, I guess I, I totally missed my archery elk hunt. How did I miss the archery elk hunt? I mean, this is, (laughs) I killed the the coolest bull of my life (laughs) with my bow this year. I mean, come on. How did I, how did I skip over that? I guess I was just excited to shoot that buck too. But anyways, prior to that. Um, <laughs> I'm excited to talk about mongoose. That's why. Yeah. Mongoose is a stud. I mean, I don't know. We had so much history with him this year. It was just, you know, so many. I mean, we had him at close, close encounters several times. But like I said, the closest was when she had him at 15 yards. And we we planned it perfect. I mean, we ambushed him perfect. and. Dude, they just, oh yeah those big bucks are just smart they just like somebody's something's not right like they got that six cents you know and just... yeah well and, and it's crazy how much having history with an animal makes the hunt you know for instance uh my wife shot a deer that we call eight ball 
and we moved out here to some uh, some land in between Cheyenne and Laramie. And when we first moved here last August, so in 2017, we started scouting around and you know enjoying not living, not renting a place in town anymore. And we started seeing this great big eight point and called him eight ball and never had a chance on him that year. And we drew the tags again this year. And when we first saw him, I looked at her, I said, honey, that's eight ball. I said, that's your deer, whatever, you know, figure out, figure out what you need to do and make it happen. And she ended up making it happen while I was hunting in Idaho, uh, which was (laughs) wicked cool. And he was a stomper, man. He only had probably four or five inch eye guards, which isn't really all that big for a whitetail. And he uh, still was 144 inches as an eight point. Oh, wow. That's a stud whitetail. Buck. I mean, he was just a stud, but it was so cool, you know, cause we have so much, you know, so many pictures and videos and memories of this deer. And, and now, now we can relive all those and, and be looking at him and everything like that. So I understand, you know, having, having a name picked out or whatever, or just, even if you don't have a name, just, you know, Hey, that, that's that buck with the deep forks that I've been watching for the past three weeks or whatever, you know, that's, that's all cool. It's yeah. I love having history and she's been actually chasing a buck for two years now. And she named him Smiley and dude, he just goes off the grid. Come. I swear he disappears, dude. Come archery season, we don't know what he does. And we missed our opportunity last year on him. Um, We'd gone in there. In fact, we'd backpacked back in there because we were hiking in and out of there. Like, you know, and it was, it's a pretty far hike. And I'm like, you know what? We just need to go in there for three or four days, pack in there and we'll hunt him. And so we did. And we, he'd come to this water hole every once in a while, but he's not like a predictable buck. Like he, I'm not kidding you. This is so crazy about this deer. He has like a month rotation that he'll, uh, and it, and sometimes, and it, there was a couple of times it was almost to the day that he would show back up to this water hole. It was crazy, dude. It was super crazy. And, Dang. um, so, but I had, a, but I had him on a trail camera about a mile away in this big basin. And I'm like, well, maybe that's where he's hanging more. So we gone to the water hole that morning that we'd hiked in there and sat on it, nothing. And then that night, I'm like, what do you think? You think we should just go sit on the water hole again? And she's like, I'm so sick of sitting on that water hole. And dude, you're not going to move. <laughs> we go up past the water hole that morning up into the basin where I think that he's, he'd been hanging a little bit. And we saw some smaller bucks come through and she didn't shoot any of those. She, you know, she really had her mindset on shooting Smiley. And we come back down past the water hole and I'm like, well, I'm going to pull the card to see, dude, he rolled in that night before six o'clock. I think, I don't know. It was between six and seven, somewhere in there and stayed there for 45 minutes when we were literally 300 yards away, sitting in another draw watching. And he, he showed up. She about, I think she about huffed her bow and said, we're at it. She was done. <laughs> she hated that deer. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. Jeez. But that's over. And, and he was back on the camera again this year. Um, but we didn't put a lot of time into him because we had, I had found this other buck that was pretty predictable. And that's why we were going after um, mongoose. So. 
that's super cool, man. <clears throat> yeah, I, uh, I remember seeing that. <laughs> that's one of the pictures I definitely remember swinging by. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I saw that picture and I was like, holy hell, look at that deer. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, heck yeah. If anyone deserves it, you're definitely, you're definitely uh, one of the people that earns it. So that was awesome. Oh, well, thank you. That means a lot. I appreciate that. <laughs> Um, yeah, man. So, so when you guys start to observe and pattern your deer and things like that, are you, are you literally, you know, just getting up on a glassing point and, and doing it from afar? Are you putting up your trail cameras? Uh, you know, what kind of stuff are you, are you doing and what tools are you utilizing to, to see what kind of deer are in the area? Um, we're usually getting up on a glassing point, you know, that we can glass some areas and then I'll go up there, you know, two, three times a week and, you know, just kind of pattern and figure out what he's doing. Where, where, where's his escape routes? Probably, you know, those type of things and where he's bedding. And this buck, he, he was pretty predictable every time we seen him. He was like in the same spot every morning and he was coming down the same spot every day. So we were able to really, you know, pattern that deer. And, you know, we got in there a couple times and he beat us. He, there was a lot of times it, as soon as the light would, as soon as it would start getting light, he would get out of there. He was smart enough to get out of the open and down into the quakies. And, but one morning, a couple mornings we planned it perfect. But the one morning we did, it was, it was, it was perfect. We got down in there and here he came and we were guys uh, just like, you know, but yeah, as far as that's kind of what I do. I just do a lot of getting up on big, you know, a place where I can glass a big area and try to find a buck. And, um, I, a lot of people ask me, you know, where do you hunt, you know, and da, 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 da. And it's like, I don't really have one secret Canyon that I hunt in. I just, I just go until I find a buck that I really want to shoot. And then I try to keep tabs on him and then, you know, try to go in and get him during the hunts. So, or a couple. Yeah. Man, that's, that's, that's cool. I, like we just mentioned a little bit ago, it's, it's really cool as you start to keep tabs on animals and see them more frequently and, and, uh, you know, then find the one that you want and then devise the plan to make it happen. So, uh, going into the hunt with, you know, with mongoose and I, obviously I want to cover your, your archery, your archery elk, because true to the name, this is an archery podcast, <laughs> but going, <laughs> going into, uh, I'm not allergic to any weapons. All right. I like to hunt with everything going into actually, it's funny. I, I, this will be the first time that I mentioned it because I had mentioned it to you. Um, I'm going to be starting another podcast, uh, called battle mountain media that is going to cover the the muzzle loaders the long distance shooting it's going to cover everything and i'm going to start transitioning archery maniacs into specific archery hunts tuning your bow archery companies you know all specific archery so i guess that's no better time than the present to announce that but anyways awesome <laughs> i was telling my wife about that this morning so August. yeah go ahead, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I was telling my wife about that you were starting up a new podcast that was going to be more all about, you know, 
the rifle and muzzleloader. She's like, that's awesome. You know, she was, she thought that was cool. So. Yeah. And I, I think, I think a lot of people will hopefully find that cool as well. Cause I don't, I don't care how people want to do it. As long as they're doing it legally and ethically, I think it's all awesome, but I'm right there with you. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> so with Mongoose, you know, here, here rolls around muzzleloader season in the opening day. What was, what was going through your head? You know, what late kind of lay out your steps to pulling a trigger on that buck? Because it's not like, it's not like you randomly went to a spot and we're like, yep, yeah, hopefully this point will do, you know, you, you probably went to a spot for a reason and, and obviously found success. So what, what were kind of, you know, lay out the steps to success for that specific hunt. <laughs> okay. So we had him pretty patterned, you know, like I said, he's probably one of the more predictable bucks that we've been watching, like honestly. And, um, like I said, my wife had got on him right towards the end of probably the first week in September, I think, if I remember right. And that was the last time that I had actually had been able to get in there and watch this deer because <laughs> then I had some friends come and we were archery elk hunting and then I had work and then the muzzleloader was right there. And so I was kind of like, God, I haven't been in there for two or two and a half, three weeks. I, you know, I hope nobody's bumped him. Um, but he was super patternable. I mean, he was doing the same thing. If he's there opening morning in a muzzleloader, I'll get him. And there was a set of rocks that I really had found that I really thought I could, you know, it was a good vantage point and I knew that I could get a shot at him. And I called my brother, James, and he had just purchased one of those, um, long range muzzleloaders, um, this past year. And I was like, oh, if you let me borrow that, this is like... I'll be able to shoot, you know, for, I won't have to get down in the bottom of the basin as close to him. I can set up on those rocks and be able to shoot and calling. He's like, heck yeah, you can use my gun, you know, no problem. And so, um, I wanted to get in there super early, you know, cause you kind of got to sneak down in there not, and try not to bump anything. And, um, God, I think I was sitting for over an hour and a half down in there in the dark and just waiting and honestly early early i looked across where we've seen him every year as soon as i could get light through my binoculars there was two deer standing there and i'm like and i could tell they were bucks and i was like but i couldn't tell if it was him or not and i was like holy cow they're in the same spot again and uh they got enough light i was able to look through my spotter and i could see the cheater on the one side and i'm like that's him you know i knew and then i knew it was him and so i just got set up and i literally was just waiting for it to get light enough to shoot and finally as soon as i could see my crosshairs um he was 290 yards away and just slightly quartering towards me and i just put it right on that front shoulder just crushed him <laughs> And mongoose so was done. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> no boss. Kept it in the family because here's another little piece of the story. I guess I should tell you is so there were two other guys that had been watching this buck too, and um, like I said, we're on it's public ground, and um, right before I was getting ready, to, right before I was getting ready to shoot him, 
he I had him at like 390 and I was set up perfect waiting for the shot all of a sudden he um him and the other buck he was with they ran down the hill and I'm like gosh dang that somebody's up on that ridge just the way they acted you know and they ran down about 100 yards and they held up in the bottom kind of and mongoose wanted to get out of there like he kept trying to get it's the same it's one of the three points he was running with all year round um he kept trying to push that buck down the canyon well that other buck didn't want to leave and he wouldn't leave and um come to find out um those guys were were, were chasing him and getting ready to shoot him and <laughs> i ended up shooting him first <laughs> oh. so I told my wife, because she was like, you know, we could have went in there the next day, you know, and I'm like, no, we couldn't have because these guys were going to kill him. So, you know, but kept him in the family. That's what I told her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, but geez. yeah, there were two other guys and I had a feeling too. That's, I had talked to my brother and my other buddy and I'm like, I just don't, <sighs> he's just one of those bucks. I think pe other people had seen him, you know, I just had a feeling. I just had that feeling. And that's one of the many reasons why I got in there super early and got set up just so that if I did get eyes on him at, at right at light, I would definitely have that opportunity to get the first crack at him because public ground, especially, you know, you just never know who's around and during the muzzleloader hunt, you know, I never seen them until later that morning when they were up on the ridge, but you know, in Utah, you can wear camouflage. You don't have to wear orange during the muzzleloader. So, um, but they had tried to come down on him, and I had gotten across from him and set up where I had seen him. So I was, you know, I was able to shoot across at him. So that's wicked. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of mongoose, but yeah, he's a cool deer. I'm just really excited to to get him. Uh, yeah, I I would be too. I mean, it looks like I mean, a you had you had a history with the deer, which makes which adds a ton to it. B, he's an awesome looking buck, and C, he's got some character that uh, you know you just you just don't you don't you know it's not every day that you're going to shoot a deer that's got kickers or that's got you know, gnarly bases or whatever else, you know, it's, so it's, it's wicked cool to, to, when that happens for me anyways, it just, it means that much more to me. I mean, there's times I look at a deer that I've had, you know, that has kickers or something. I'll just look at it like, that. Ah, it's just, that's so cool to have an abnormal animal like that. It just, and then the memories start flooding back in and, and how it all unreeled, you know, and everything like that. And it's just, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's funny you talk about the kickers because, I mean, I've killed, uh, you know, I'm not trying to boast, I'm not, but I've killed a lot of mule deer in my life. No, you're good. You're good. And I've never killed a buck with a cheater. And I, and then this year I killed two bucks with cheaters. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so we're doing a double, we're doing a double pedestal on these bucks and I'm really excited. I haven't, you know, I haven't got it all figured out and how I'm going to do it, but yeah. But then I killed two cheater bucks in one year. I mean, it was it was awesome. So yeah, <laughs> that's that's wicked cool, man. That is wicked cool. I I take character over over uh, over a giant any day. And speaking oh, of characters, somebody I know shot a bull that has a hell of a lot of character. <laughs> <laughs> 
Dude, I don't even know what to say. I mean, that bowl. Uh, so a little history on this bowl. Um, we we have some trail cameras down in this area, and we, we have him on trail camera. I don't know if you've seen any of those pictures on Instagram. I did a couple posts of him, but not too many. Nothing before the hunt. I didn't post anything. But um, so we got him in the velvet, and that was once – and I didn't know that was the bull that um, when I first seen him, I wasn't quite sure if that was actually him. But um, we – We'd gone down in this area and we'd hunted a couple times and my brother had gone down in there and he'd never seen him again. Um, he'd seen some other bulls and then um, he called me and said, hey, I went down on our other spot that we like to go hunt and I seen a couple spikes, called them right into like 15 yards, but um, I'm kind of wanting to shoot one of those bigger six points. And I'm like, okay. I says, I go, I'm going to go down and try to shoot a spike. I don't care, you know. <laughs> Yeah, right. I, I'll shoot any bow. I don't care with a bow. And he's like, "Yeah, go down and get one." So, um, uh, he let's see. I think he had to go. He was he was busy with work, and so I went down there one morning and didn't even see an elk. Um, and I was like, I just got to keep going down there every day for my days off, and I'll run into one of them. You know, I'll get an opportunity. And the second morning, I got up early again, hiked all the way in there. And I'm literally hiking down to the spot we like to sit because there's a little saddle these elk like to cross over in the morning. And they weren't talking yet. They weren't bugling. And I really hadn't done a whole lot of cow calls. And um, it was more just an ambush type of deal in this area. He, he had cow called those spikes in a couple days before. But when I went in there the day before, I cow called and I didn't get any response. So, um but anyways, I'm hiking down and I'm, I'm about a oh, hundred yards probably from where these elk like to cross. And I look down below me and I see, uh, I think there was four deer came out, um, three does and a small two point and they come feeding out and I'm like, okay. And I look and here comes, here comes that bull right behind them. And I'm like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I'm literally... 50 yards from being in range, you know, I'm like, Oh, and here's, the, <laughs> here's the thing I didn't tell you as I'm coming down the hill, I had stopped for like two minutes. I had to use the bathroom. So I hurried and took a pee and I'm like, if you had to stop to pee, you would have been in position. Like you'd have been right there. <laughs> and so they're down there and he's kind of, he's like running around bucking and kicking. It was, it was a pretty cool morning. I mean, if you look at what I'm wearing that morning, I remember now, like I, I had my, my lightweight coat on it. It was one of those first mornings that had really cooled down. And this was August 28th. So it, it wasn't even, we weren't even in September yet, but it was one of those mornings that had cooled down. I mean, not super cold, but it was cool. And he was filling his oats. He was bucking around. And <clears throat> so I hurry and, why he's messing around and trying to keep my eyes on those deer too. Cause I'm like, those deer will ruin everything. And I hurry and get to the set of quakies on the edge of where I kind of wanted to be. And, uh, here he comes. But I look to my left and that two point, I think, was it the two point? He's literally like 20 yards from me. And here comes that bull 
and I can't draw back because I, if I move, I know that two points just going to blow out of there, you know? And here he comes, he's coming up the hill and the two point finally puts his head down. I draw back. Well, he stops right behind the quakey and I can't shoot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and I think he's, no. <laughs> I think he's 32 yards at that point. And I could see his character at that time. I could see his drop time, little club. And I, for a split second, I thought, is that that same bull? But this bull is literally over two miles away, which isn't far from an elk for an elk, but he was literally two miles away from where we'd been seeing him during the summer, you know? So I really didn't, it didn't put two and two together. So he like jumps up, spins around, kicks in the air and runs back down the hill. Like he's like a horse back into the trees. Well, where's my wind blowing? Like right down where he runs in. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, are you serious? Like I had him that close and zero shot. I'm thinking just the week before I had a six point at 30 yards and he just needed to take a step and I didn't have a clear shot. And I'm just like, Oh, archery hunting sometimes to love hate, you know, <laughs> but Dude, um, all of a sudden so I look down all the, <laughs> Yeah, you know of anybody, too. <sighs> All of a sudden, I look down, and I'm not even kidding you. I Well, at first, I don't – first, I hear, like a horse coming back up the hill, and I'm like, what is that? All of a sudden, I look down where he came out from the first time. Here he comes running back up the hill, not even kidding you. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's coming back up. And he stops, and he starts beating up this bush probably 60 probably about 60 yards away from me so i kind of slip into the quakies maybe like 10 yards and get set and here he comes walking right back up towards these deer well the deer had kind of fed off so i wasn't too worried about him and he comes and i arranged let's see no i think i arranged him as walking up and i knew he was going to be in that 40 range i can't even remember the exact yardage it wasn't too far i think it was 40 something yards and he comes up and I draw back and he's just kind of strutting up the hill. just all proud, you know, and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, I'm, this is going to happen. And I just did a light cow call to him and he just stopped and looked over and I just took my time and just sent it. And he whirled around and shot. I saw the arrow come in. It looked good to me. And I, I heard him go crashing down through the trees and I was just like, Oh my gosh. I was just like, thank you. Like I could not believe it. It all came together. And then I started thinking that might be that bull. And so I, I kind of creep over to where the, I'd hit him and there was immediately blood, you know, really good blood. And I'm like, Oh, I got him good. So <laughs> that's such a good feeling. Oh, it's such a great feeling. And I was just like, said, you know, just said a quick prayer, just please, you know, let him die quickly and pray that it was an awesome shot. And, and then I started sending out the texts, you know, and cause I wanted to give him, I always give elk. I, I always just give him an hour, no matter what, that's just me. Um, with a, with a bow. And so I just kind of went over in the, on the shady side and hung out for about an hour and I started calling people and called my brother and I'm like, I'm like, I just shot, you know, this, just drop time bowl. And he's like, do you think it's the one he goes, this, and he sent me a picture of him. He texted me a picture 
um, from some of our trail camera pictures, and I'm like, I think it's him. Like, I really do. Like, I was starting to get excited. And so the hour had passed. I decided, well, let's start working our way over there. And I made some phone calls because I didn't know if I was going to go down and get him quartered up and then go home and get my horses and go in and get him or um, if I could get enough help. But I was able to get – my wife was able to get off work. My buddy left work, and then my brother was able to break away. So I had the three of them coming in to help me get him out. But started tracking him. I get over there, and it's there's blood everywhere. Like he is just pumping good, and it was one of those blood trails that wasn't hard to follow until the end. All of a sudden, it just kind of like started. Like I think he was just running out of blood, <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, are you kidding me? Please, like, don't." don't let this day go like this. Come on. I hit that bull good. And I'd come to this point and I'd kind of lost blood and I get it gone. I'm just pumping, pumping, spraying, spraying, spraying. And all of a sudden it's kind of, and I'm, I come to this point through the trees and I'm just kind of looking down at the ground for the next little bit of blood, like in his tracks to see which way he had gone. And I look down about 30 yards below me and I see these antlers sticking up over the bushes. And I was just like, Thank you, Heavenly Father. <laughs> like, and I was just like so pumped. Like, I was just like bull down. I was just like one of those like we got a bull down. I was so pumped, you know. And to walk up to that animal was just an amazing experience. I don't know. There's just something when you're in the field by yourself and you get it done, especially with elk. It's just a cool experience because they're hard, you know, solo. Yeah, you know, with a bow and yeah. walk up to him and to see his character and you know knowing that he didn't suffer it was just a clean kill and when I pulled his head up and I saw that the club I, I knew then I, the pictures that was him and I was just like oh my gosh because we go I think you go back in uh June or well it would have been probably July the first time my brother and I had seen that picture, that bull on trail camera, I told him, I'm all, I'll shoot that bull all day long. Like, that is a cool boy. Right? If I see him, I'm going to kill him. And I ended up killing him. It was just like so awesome. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, man, when I, when I saw that thing come across the, once again, Instagram, <laughs> um, I just, <laughs> I freaking Instagram. Uh, <laughs> right? But I just, <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness, look how cool that thing is. I mean, the likelihood of shooting another dropper bull that looks like that is, as you know, it's just, it's not very likely. And that's just such an awesome look at elk. Oh, he's beautiful. And I should be getting, I'm thinking I'm going to get his rack back on Monday of this week, of next week. Um, I had a friend down here do the um, Beatles for me. And, uh, awesome. yeah, I'm really excited to get him back. I'm excited because everybody's like, you need to shoulder mount him. And I was just like, oh, he's not, he's super unique. Yeah. And I think a shoulder mount would be, would be awesome. But I think the, his head and everything would just take away from his character. So I think that the Europeans just, it's, it'll show that how the antler grew down into his skull on that one side. And the dropper, it'll just show all those details. So I think I, I made the right choice on that one. I'm excited to see him again. So 
yeah, that's man. And, and so with this elk, you had uh, mentioned that he wasn't, he was, you know, two or three miles from, from where you had trail cam pictures of him, which that, that's not a long ways for an elk, but still, it still kind of makes you go, wow. <laughs> why? why? <laughs> it did me. I <laughs> you know what, what made him decide to make that three mile trip over here? Was it pressure? Was it cows? You know, was it, who knows, you know what, when you were, when you were getting all, when you had the pictures of him, were you also getting pictures of a lot of cow and calf elk too, or, or mostly just bulls? No, there's cows and calves in the area where he left and um, there's That's other crazy. bulls in there, but you know, maybe he got pushed out too. And he was, you know, going to try to find something somewhere else. And I mean, just to catch, to catch him the way I did that morning, it was just like, the stars aligned. I mean, it was like meant to be like, <laughs> just cause I was going in there to shoot a spike. Like my brother had said he'd seen those two spikes hanging in there and that's what I was going in there for. And <laughs> all of a sudden this dude walks out. <laughs> uh, so what are, what are a few, uh, what are a few things you feel uh, aided in in shooting that elk? Um, does, that, does that question make sense? As far as like preparation or yeah, kind of, kind of all of the above. You know, as far as when you looked over there and you saw that elk, you know, did it did it help you? You know, when you obviously ended up shooting the elk, was it helpful to go? you know, down to the bottom and then up as opposed to wrap around the basin and come onto the other side of that ridge. Was it helpful to hug the tree line uh, gotcha. as opposed to walk through the open? Was, you know, was it helpful to get the wind in your favor the whole way you were going over there? Or was there times when the wind wasn't in favor in your favor? Because that's what it took to get over there. Does that, so does that kind of make more sense? Yeah. <laughs> well, I do remember that morning I did bust an elk when I was going down in there. And this is an area that we've hunted since we were kids. Um, my dad used to take us in there and there never really used to be elk in, you know, and the elk population in Utah has just, you know, gotten more and more. So we kind of know this area pretty well. And it's one of those spots, uh, the wind usually, you know, comes up at it in the mornings is, you know, blowing down the canyons on each side. So the wind kind of getting into that spot in the morning can be a little tricky because the wind can blow like right down where he came out. Like the wind must have not have been going right directly the way I was. It must have been going down and then maybe heading, you know, maybe to the right a little bit because when he went back in the trees, the that first time before he came back out, um, I thought I was busted. Like my heart sunk. I'm like, I'm done. The wind's going right there. He's not going to come back out, you know? And then like a minute and a half later, here he comes running back up the hill. So the wind must've been pretty decent, but yeah, as far as that spot, um, it's, you hike in, um, I, there's, and I hug the tree line on this one side all the way down through the quakies and sneak through the pines and, um, kind of work out my way around this basin a little bit, I guess you'd say, trying to keep the wind because they do 
those elk, they can be on either side. That's the thing. And he actually came out on the side the wind was blowing down that I was coming in on. So maybe I got lucky <laughs> or maybe he liked the smell of me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know what it was. You were wearing a cow urine scented wafer. <laughs> yeah. I have worn those before. My wife hates it. <laughs> I bet she does. She gets always so mad. Oh, when I come home and like my backpack seems like cow, I mean, elk pee. She's like, what are you doing? And I didn't, I wasn't wearing any of those this year, but I have in the past. And, um, I can't say either way on those. I mean, I, I think that if the wind shifted maybe just a hair and went that way, it could maybe break up your scent a little bit. You know, I don't, I can't say that I was, had a bull right at 20 yards and had the wind shift on me and been wearing one of those and he didn't do anything, you know, but, um, but yeah, that's kind of, uh, it's just one, it's kind of that spot where you just, you know, archery hunting, you're just trying to, the wind can go so many directions when you're trying to get into us, especially in the mountains. Yeah. And like I said, the wind was actually blowing towards the way he came out that morning, but, they must have never smelled me. So wicked. So what uh, was was that your first elk with a bow? I, I, you might have said that, but I might have. I think I missed it. No, I've killed a couple other elk with my bow. Um, I killed one wicked the year. Cool. Be- I killed a nice five point the year before. Um, cool. Yeah, and then before that, I killed. Was he a four or five point? I can't remember. A few a few years back, and so I've killed a few, not not a ton. Awesome. I mean, I'm not like the. I I mean I love hunting with a bow. Don't get me wrong. It's like to go out and to chase an animal, you know, like my ancestors did, you know, with a bow, um, is pretty cool. And then when you're successful. Yeah, our bows are a lot different than the Indian bows, but <laughs> you know, but still to be able to what you're talking about. <laughs> but still to be able to get it done with a bow, um, and to get that close to an animal to where you can you can put a, a straight stick through him and, and kill him. It's pretty amazing and it's a pretty cool, cool pretty cool experience. Um, but yeah, I I mean, let's be honest though. Like last time I went to the museum, I could have swore that all the Indians in the in the in that uh, painting, it looked like they were carrying Botex to me, but I could be wrong. <laughs> Heck yeah, they were. <laughs> yeah, Botex back then was stick string, and that was their literal bow technology right (laughs) Mm -hmm. no it's amazing what they did back then but yeah oh isn't that so true Mm -hmm. i mean how you you think about it now when you when you go to get an arrow right you look at all these specs and this arrow is 0.001 in straightness and you look back then and they had this willow that was crookeder than hell and they were still (laughs) killing shit wow (laughs) i know I, i get better at getting closer <laughs> yep <clears throat> oh they were a lot better at getting closer <laughs> oh no kidding and it's also they didn't all say literally 100 percent was food oriented you know mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and they're, you know. So, there's a lot more pressure now, too. I'm, I mean, I'm not going to take away from the Yeah, 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 yep. Public ground, yeah, I mean, I, it is. And that was another, you know, just to kill a public ground bowl, you know, on the OTC tag, you know, that's big, you know, that's a big accomplishment, too. Hell, yeah, that's a there. huge deal. I mean, speaking, being that you're in Utah, I went there and I filmed a hunt this year with a good buddy of mine, John Stallone. Uh, if you guys aren't following him, go check him out. He's a super good guy uh, and hunts a lot. And he kills a lot of coyotes with his bow, which is, I think is wicked cool. But anyways, uh, we were we were hunting in Utah. And the one day, I, I don't remember. It was either Saturday or Sunday. I don't remember. But we're driving down the dirt road, headed back to town. And I am not kidding you, probably 13 to 15 side-by-sides in a row past us. And we're thinking, oh my gosh. Right. <laughs> it was insane. But then we got to look at, you know, and a lot of them, they weren't even hunting. They were just people going out to enjoy. It was a beautiful day. You know, they're just going out to drive around and enjoy it. But still, it's it's interesting to me how much that just seeing those people can play on your mentality and your confidence in the hunt and everything like that, whether they're hunters or not, you're just like, Holy shit, look at all these people. Come on. You know, it's crazy. You immediately start going, well, I'm not going to see any deer and they're probably going to scare them all off and blah, 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 blah. And- mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I, one morning, actually, I forgot to tell you that one of the mornings we were chasing mongoose with my wife, we were getting in position and, that's why I had a feeling that other people had seen him because these two other bow hunters came up on the ridge above us. We were already down in position to cut him off. And they just came up over the top of this ridge looking into the basin and they didn't even, they weren't even being sneaky. I don't know what they were really doing, but there's public ground, you know, and they, those bucks, they're always looking above because, you know, that's usually where their danger is coming from. And they seen those two guys up there and they didn't even, they didn't even waste any time. They just, they were out of there so um yeah public ground is hunting anything public ground i mean and you're getting if you're successful freaking kudos guys because you guys are you guys are putting in the hard work everybody out there that's getting it done on public ground it's awesome yeah absolutely absolutely so speaking of bows and uh i i know you're not shooting a stick and string which i'm you know honestly paul i'm extremely disappointed Um, (laughs) (laughs) not really at all what uh, but what what is your what is your bow setup and uh your arrow setup and configuration as far as fletchings and broadhead and all that kind of stuff so i just i just shoot an elite um impulse uh 70 pounds uh, my arrows are victory arrows and i've got them with 125 grain um muzzy trocar and Wicked. i couldn't tell you that i couldn't i'm not i'm not the bow guru dude like i couldn't even tell you what my arrow weighs or not <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the bow shoots good. The arrow shoots good. Now, if you ask me about rifles and what I'm shooting and bullets and all that, I could go right down to the grain, everything. <laughs> but but um, oh, we will do that. We'll do that. <laughs> but um, I got a big shout out to the archery shop that I take all my stuff to. Wild Arrow down here in 
Centerville, Utah. I mean, Jeremiah is one of the best guys around, and um, they they do a great job of setting bows up, and he helps me every year get my bow tuned and um, to when I'm shooting. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a – I don't shoot long ranges. Like, I know there's a lot of guys out there, and that's kind of controversial, and I don't want to – talk about it too much but i'm my my furthest my range honestly i feel really good at like 70 yards which is still a pretty good shot with a bow but i practice you know i shoot out to 100 practicing but i will never take a shot at an animal over 70 yards and um i feel really confident in that and he helps me with you know with um just everything you know, he'll critique me. I'll go down there, and if I'm not having, if I'm all of a sudden, mate, I'm not shooting good, I'll go down there and say, "Dude, what is going on?" And he'll watch me shoot, and he's like, "Well, you're doing this and this. You need to, you know, change this and be dialed right back in." But yeah, man, I, I, I I'm pretty bad. Like I couldn't even tell you what my arrow weight is. <laughs> it just shoots good. It kills. It works. It's worked. You know, the last two years in a row. So. You know, I killed that bull two years ago at, I think, 32 yards. My buddy bugled him in 32 yards right past me. He didn't even know I was there, and I, I stuck him and actually watched him die within, I don't even think he went 40 yards, 30 yards, and, and piled over, you know. That was pretty cool. Yep, yep. That is wicked cool. Are you uh, – do you use a uh, – you know, like a single pin slider or maybe a multi-pin slider or you just have fixed pins? I shoot a, a three-pin slider. So my first three pins are 30, 40, 50, and then everything else out, I slide to, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I I, I, uh, I have a single pin slider at the moment, uh, but I know uh, quite a lot of guys that use a three-pin slider. I could see, you know, where it would be definitely extremely beneficial, especially, you know, you you start calling in an elk or something like that. You know, when you, when you sneak into an animal that's bedded, you have time to range it and adjust your sight and things like that. That's, that's awesome. And it, and yeah, you can absolutely be more, more dead nuts and accurate, but when things start happening quick, it's, you do, you do get quicker at moving your single pin, uh, but it's still time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I do like the three pin because like, even that bull when he came in this year or even last year, you know, I, I ranged it and I knew, okay, I, I think he was 42. Honestly, I, I, I mean, if I went back and read my Instagram post, I'm sure I said that but I think he was 42 yards. So I just knew 40 yards was going to be money, you know? And um, so I didn't even have to adjust because I have 30, 40, 50. And I think my wife's bow is 20, 30, 40. And then she slides everything up from there. Cause she don't, she only shoots she she does she shoots really well fifty, but um her bow isn't quite, you know, got the up to go much further than that and that's kinda why we've just stuck at the fifty yards with her, so That's cool. That's so <laughs> with you know, like we were talking before the before the podcast, uh your wife is is pretty well a ball of fire and she's a lot of fun to talk with and have on the podcast what was what was kind of her reactions when that buck was 15 yards away and she was up to bat and everything like that what was 
uh, it would honestly be cool to have both you guys on the podcast so you could tell her reactions from your point of view and then she could tell her reactions. That would be wicked cool. <laughs> yeah, let's do it, man, for sure. But uh, her reactions, dude, were – I mean, it was – it was go time and she gets pretty intense. Like she's pretty serious when it comes to, but, um, when he didn't give her the shot, I think she shed a tear. <laughs> like, she was like, honestly, I think she turned to me at one point. I don't know. It may have been that day. And she says, I just suck at this. Like literally I suck at bow hunting and I'm just like, no, you don't. It's just, it's hard and you know bow hunting is just like so many variables i mean wind uh, movement they see you i mean there's just tree limbs if you shoot and you don't see the tree limb and you catch a limb and your arrow deflects i mean there's just so many things that can go wrong with a bow when you're bow hunting that the animal has the advantage and um she was just because that was literally the last morning that we could hunt before she got deployed again and um it almost it dude it almost it almost happened i was just like holy crap this is really gonna freaking happen like but it didn't (laughs) i bet i bet that was a a long three-week deployment for her thinking yeah i mean you know how it is when something like that happens whether it's even your fault or not when something like that blows up and you're that close, you can't help but think, well, what could I have done different? Maybe if I'd have done this or tried that or whatever. I mean, you can't help think that even if somebody else walks around the ridge and blows the stock for you, you're just like, well, if I'd have gone faster, I probably would have shot that deer. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I even, I even go back and I'm like, oh, if we would have just set up 10 yards lower, she would have had a clean shot right. no matter what. Like instead of being yep. – we were 10 yards up behind this pine tree and if we would have just been 10 yards down off the hill, just a hair in those bushes, he would, he wouldn't, that bush wouldn't have been even come into play. You know, it's just crazy how you, you know, how everything uh, didn't, didn't work out. (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy how quickly it can go from this is going to happen to you don't even get a shot, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And the same with a rifle or a muzzleloader. I mean, I've yeah, I've been a muzzleloader range, rifle range, and all of a sudden something happens and you don't get the shot. I mean, just like bear hunting this year, we saw some nice bears, and I killed a nice bear, but there was one bear that we were after, and um, I'm sure people are going to message me and be like, why didn't you shoot him when he was at seven, 800 yards? Because, you know, I'm a long-range hunter, and um, – these bear, he just went hold still. He would not hold still long enough for me to even get a shot. He was just feeding, and at that at that range, you can't have an animal that's continually moving because seven, eight hundred, nine hundred yards. I mean, you're you're talking a second, second and a half before the bullet even gets there. And if they take a step or or or, or spin around, you're not hitting them where you're aiming. You know, so there's a lot of, that comes into play that way. Um, but yeah yeah for sure i mean it's i mean yeah rifles are obviously fast and and honestly it even if you really think about it, it's amazing how fast bows are mm-hmm. and and man movement can just gosh dang it can just it can just crush you 
you know, you, you have a deer at 20 yards that's walking nice and slow. And if you don't, if you don't account for that, even how fast compound bows are, if you don't account for him walking, even at 20 yards, that's like a difference in, in two to four inches. Mm-hmm. And that can make or break your, your shot there or your, or your, whether you're going to cleanly kill that deer with one arrow or hopefully find him and shoot him again, you know? Right. But, yep. Well, sweet, man. Well, I appreciate you hopping on the podcast today and chatting about your season and kind of your bow setup and some of the stuff that led to you shooting that, that wicked elk with your bow. And <laughs> then obviously talking about, dude, he's so cool. <laughs> so cool. And, you know, then talking about your black powder hunt or muscle loader hunt and, and mongoose and everything like that. I appreciate you hopping on the show and covering all that. You betcha, man. It was a blast. And when you start up your new podcast, we'll have to do the, my Colorado deer hunt that we packed back in. That's absolutely. I would love to, man. I, (laughs) I watched the video of you shooting that deer probably six or seven or 20 times. I mean, I watched it a lot. (laughs) I watch it all the time too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I just crushed him. Oh, Oh, it It, which is wicked. I mean, that's obviously that's your, that's your goal, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no, man, thanks for having me on. It was a blast. I love reliving the stories of the year and, and talking to great people like you. Thank you so much. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Thank you for tuning into the show. It means a lot to us. But seriously, though, I really appreciate your ear. And it would mean the world to me if you would rate our podcast. If you didn't like it, one star it. But if you did, a five is even better. Don't forget to comment, like, share, and hit that subscribe button. Thanks again for tuning into the show. Some other podcasts that you should definitely check out are... Eastman Elevated with Bride and Barney. And Hunt Harvest Health with Ryan and Hillary Lampers. And a special thanks to... Maven Optics, Six Sight Gear, Dark Energy Tech, Shield Mountain Outdoors, The Outdoor Insiders, Iron Mind Hunting, Valkyrie Archery, and Gannett Ridge Sporting Equipment.